Coming up on Stu Does America, it's a race against time to see if Californians can recall Governor Gavin Patrick Bateman Newsom before he murders all of his constituents to Huey Lewis in the news. I'll speak to Mike Netter from the Recall Gavin Newsom movement for an update on their progress and trouble in doggy paradise as one of President Biden's precious little good boys had to go and viciously attack a security staff member. Mm. We'll take a look at whether or not the puppy was a sleeper agent sent by Kamala's Labradoodle. Who knows? Thanks so much for being uh, here tonight. We want you to help us defeat the evil YouTube algorithm robots, which are always there trying to get rid of conservative content. We need you to subscribe to our channel and click like on all of our videos, even this one right now, before you forget, or I say something that pisses you off. Same goes for our podcast. Just head to stewdoesamerica.com for all of the links. And also consider a subscription to Blaze TV before we're taken out by the left, of course. Uh, you know, while we're still in existence, why not subscribe? Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew. Why? Because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Now, I am not a fan of racism or violence, but I am also not a fan of manipulated numbers and media overhyping. Let's suss out the truth as we do Asian people. Stew does America. So, have you been on social media lately? I hope you have, because life isn't worth living without scrolling Instagram for 14 hours a day. You can follow me at Studios America so that I can suck just a little more time and more of your life away. I hope you appreciate it. You're welcome. If you've been on the socials, you have no doubt been alerted to the newest, most important, ultra-urgent thing that you're supposed to be posting, reposting, and hashtagging. Stop AAPI hate. Mm. What is AAPI hate? If you don't know, you're the one doing it, you bastards. AAPI stands for Asian American Pacific Islander. And you should really stop hating them. Why are you hating them so much? I don't know why you're doing it, but stop the AAPI hate people. Of course, no cause is important until a bunch of really pathetic statements about it are released by giant corporations. And luckily for AAPI peeps all around the world, America's companies are here to alert us. Ah, let's look at a few of them. Hate towards one of us is hate towards all of us. The strength of our community is demonstrated in the way we speak up for each other. We at Converse stand against hate, violence, discrimination, and racism. We stand in solidarity with our Asian community. Stop Asian hate. Oh, yes. Now I'm really, really convinced. How about this one? To our Asian community. Oh, look at this. This is nice because it's got the slow text popping up. We respect you. We are with you. Nike condemns racism. We won't point out where they make their shoes. Forget all that. How about this one? We stand with the Asian community. We must all be united against racism. Thank you very much, Tommy Hilfiger. Or complex. We stand in solidarity with the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities against the rise in xenophobic rhetoric, racist acts, and anti-Asian hate crimes. Join us and help. Stop AAPI hate. Or from ESPN. ESPN stands with the Asian community and rejects racism, xenophobia, violence, and intolerance. Or HBO. Hate has no home here. We condemn racism and xenophobia in all of its forms, including the rise of anti-Asian hate crimes in recent weeks and since the COVID-19 pandemic began. Or obviously, where do you get your advice about racism other than Nickelodeon? Yes, we stand united against racism, hatred, violence, and the recent rise of attacks 
attacks against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, or Disney Plus. The celebration of the Lunar New Year has been marred by the continued wave of violence against Asian American Pacific Islanders across the United States. We've spent the last week learning and listening to our friends, colleagues, and partners who are most affected. We stand with our AAPI family and want to amplify the voices of organizations that fight for our civil rights and stand against hate. Asian Americans advocating justice, the AAJC, and Stop AAPI Hate. Please join us in supporting the important work they are doing in fighting racism. Now, hopefully Disney Plus will not compare the Asian American plight to a concentration camp, and then they would be, of course, forced to fire themselves, which would be a real problem. If you haven't heard this from a loving company lately, you probably got it from actress Olivia Munn, who went viral with her passionate warnings against AAPI hate. We've been going through so much in our community. And going through this over the last year, you know, the, the astronomical spike in hate crimes against Asian Americans um, and actually Asians in, in all communities where we're marginalized. You know, I have friends in, in London tell me about that. Gemma Chan is, speaks about that, that it's happening in London as well. And, you know, we, I, we go through all of these struggles and hate crimes and just there's so much pain and it feels like we haven't been seen. Look, there's no doubt that this is shocking. We are all stunned by this. I mean, who knew Olivia Munn was Asian? I had no friggin' idea. So what is going on with all of this? Why has everyone suddenly started issuing statements about a wave of anti-Asian violence? Where does this all come from? Mainly, the information behind it comes from Russell Jung. He's the chair of Asian American Studies at the department, uh, Asian American Studies Department at San Francisco State University. He basically created a tool that allows people to message the organization and tell them about the hate crime they were a victim of. You can see the site here. If you're walking down the street, someone spits on you or says an anti-Asian slur, you go to the website and report the incident. Then the media parrots whatever summary of those messages that Stop AAPI Hate has to offer. It might not surprise you that Russell Jung is not exactly a fan of our former president. Quote, when President Trump began and insisted on using the term China virus, we saw that hate speech really led to hate violence, said Jung, chair of the Asian American Studies Department at San Francisco State University. But you probably already knew that. That sort of political rhetoric and that sort of anti-Asian climate has continued to this day. It's paired with videos that are truly disturbing, like this one, um, you can see this guy just pushing this Asian guy to the ground, this old Asian guy. Uh, really awful, awful violence. And the Biden administration released an, um, an official memorandum condemning and combating racism, xenophobia, and intolerance against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States. Okay, can we stop for a second and think about what is being alleged here? Basically, we're told that the coronavirus starts in China which apparently begins a simmering hatred for Asian Americans of all sorts. Then Donald Trump starts saying things like the Chinese virus and the Wuhan virus. And despite the mainstream media also saying those things for months, the attackers are emboldened and inspired by Trump. Finally, after seemingly sitting around in pseudo quarantine for close to a year, they suddenly spring to action and start beating up random Asian Americans in the streets. Have you ever met a person who thinks like this? I mean, this is a big country, and I am sure there are plenty of idiots out there. 
But how stupid do you have to be to attack a random Asian person living in America because a pandemic started in China? Besides being despicable in a million different ways, there is no logic to it whatsoever. And are we to believe that this kind of attack is really skyrocketing? Am, Am I alone in thinking that this is crazy? Even the New York Times is asking some pretty good questions. This comes from Jay Caspian Kang, quote, There are claims of a huge national spike in anti-Asian hate crimes, but they largely rely on self-reported data from organizations like Stop AAPI Hate that popped up after the start of the pandemic. If we cannot really tell how many hate crimes took place before, can we really argue that there has been a surge? Hmm. There have also been condemnations of Donald Trump and how his repeated use of the phrase China virus to describe the coronavirus and his invocation of white supremacy might be responsible. But how does that explain attacks by black people? Were they also acting as Mr. Trump's white supremacist henchmen? Do we really believe that there is some coordinated plan by black people to brutalize Asian Americans? This is an interesting question because there doesn't seem to be any evidence at all that it's white supremacists or especially Donald Trump voters who are actually committing the crimes. Remember that video we just showed you with the old guy being pushed for no reason in Oakland. This is the report on the incident. Quote, the suspect in the Oakland assault, Yaha Muslim, was charged with three counts of assault, inflicting great bodily injury and committing a crime against an elderly person. Nothing screams white supremacist attack more than, I don't know, someone named Yaha Muslim. And as I've said before many, many times, stop blaming Muslims, the whole Muslim family, especially Yahya, but maybe Bob and Heather and Pippa Muslim as well. None of them are responsible for this. I gotta say, there are a lot of Trump supporters uh, in in the country, but not a lot of them are hanging out in Oakland. And Trump lost 82 to 16 in Oakland. Not exactly a MAGA hotspot. In fact, almost all of this violence is happening in major cities where Donald Trump was not exactly tired of winning. A lot of outlets have focused on a nine-fold increase in anti-Asian hate crimes last year in New York City. Again, New York City might be Trump's home, but it's not exactly a MAGA hotspot. He lost by more than 50 points there. But the nine-fold increase was, uh, was otherwise expressed as a rise from three incidents in 2019 to 28 incidents in 2020. Exactly 28 incidents too many. But for an entire year in a city with 10 million people in it, it's hard to describe it as an epidemic. By the way, for the first two months of 2021, there were precisely zero reported incidents of anti-Asian violence by the NYPD. Other giant cities had the same small totals. There are reportedly 18 incidents in Oakland, but law enforcement says there is no evidence that any of them were racially motivated. In San Francisco, there were six hate crimes against Asians in 2019 and nine in 2020. In Washington, D.C., the number fell from six in 2019 to one for all of 2020. NBC News highlighted some of the issues with this other self-reported data. Some outlets have also reported almost 3,000 hate crimes during the pandemic. The reporting forum Stop AAPI Hate collected almost 2,800 reports of hate incidents nationwide over five months last year. But the incidents weren't necessarily hate crimes. They included less severe yet insidious forms of discrimination, including shunning, verbal harassment and name calling. Look, I don't want Asian Americans to be shunned. The appropriate number of shuns in a given fiscal year 
is zero. I'm anti-shunning, unless, of course, you're the Amish, because then, you, well, you know what you did, Ezekiel. You know what you did, okay? But this screams of the type of news story that helps the narrative that Trump is a hate monger, that America is racist, and we need more anti-racist lecturing from the Ibram Kendis of the world. So it's widely reported. But when we wind up finding out 18 months later from the FBI that Asian American violence showed very little increase, we won't hear word one about it. Maybe we'll find out that this increase is real and we have a lot more dumb people in this country than I think. We all know that there are awful people in this nation capable of all sorts of evil, awful things. If you happen to be walking around town beating up, spitting on, or generally shunning Asians because COVID came from an Asian country, you are an idiot. The guy in your town does not run the Chinese communist government. And in fact, he may be in your town because he was fleeing the Chinese communist government. But before every streaming service, sneaker company, and ice cream producer can signal their virtue for everyone to see, it would be nice if we had real data and were able to fully grasp what's going on. Until then, a statement from Stu Does America. Don't shun Asians. No more shunning. Make 2021 our most anti-shun year yet. Thank you. What's your credit score? Most of us think above, I don't know, 700 is a pretty good score. Um, Below 700, maybe not so great, but that's not necessarily the case. It is National Credit Awareness Month, and ScoreMaster, the new science in credit scores, is inviting listeners, regardless of your credit score, to experience how quickly and easily you could add the plus points you need to your credit score. How many points? Well, the average ScoreMaster user adds 61 points to their score in 20 days or less. That's less than three weeks if you're not a mathematician. Many do this in just a few days. Imagine what 61 points added to your credit score could do. It's going to make a big difference on that loan. You could save a fortune when buying a car, financing a home, or maybe even buying something on a credit card. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your credit and finances. It's National Credit Awareness Month, as I mentioned. Sign up in one minute and see how many plus points you can add. With ScoreMaster, you control your credit score. Do it now. ScoreMaster.com slash stew. ScoreMaster.com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Do you have an awful, awful governor? Would you like literally anyone uh, uh, besides your current state leader to be governor? Then you need the official Stew Does America, anyone else for governor t-shirt. It's available now at stewdoesmerch.com, which leads me to my next guest who knows just a thing or two about awful governors as he's a part of the coalition founding member and a founding member of Recall Gavin 2020. Mike Netter, thanks for coming back on the program. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? I'm very nervous today, Mike. I'm very nervous because here we are. If I my memory is correct, we're like not, seven or eight days away from this deadline. You're trying to get to 1.5 million signatures to recall Gavin Newsom are you going to get there? We're more than going to get there. We're on the way to getting there today. As of today, and we have literally until March 17th, but we need to get signatures really turned in by March 10th. But we've already turned in 1.8 million signatures. Wow. And I expect by the next time I'm on your show and I'm wearing one of those fine T-shirts you just talked about, <laughs> we will have 2 million signatures. 
Wow, two million. So, uh, so can you? So the, the date, the deadline is March seventeenth. You needed to get to one point five. Obviously, you want to clear that by a little bit because they're going to throw some of the signatures out, or who knows what's going to happen. So, what is the process from here? You've turned in one point eight. You're hoping to get more. How does this pro- progress from here? First thing we have to do is when we collect the signatures up and down the state, and again, as I mentioned before, it's the largest volunteer effort in American history along with the largest initiative. So we collect them. We do a pre-verification. The last-minute ones will go through that. And then we literally have to distribute them all up and down California to 58 counties. Once they're distributed we be, and they've already begun the verification process, we have about 45% of the needed total verified already. Then the state, as of March 17th, will have 30 business days, which means until April 29th, to give us a certification of at least a little under 1.5 million. And then what happens after that 30-day period? Within 80 to 90 days after that, the government of the state of California, by law, has to call a special election. Okay, and so... If you're able to do this, which it does seem like you're in a really good position to do, I know you guys have been working really, really hard, especially with the pandemic and all these other things, all these other challenges to get this done. It's amazing uh, the passion for this, I think, in the state. Um, when you are able to get this done and, and if we get across that, uh, that threshold, when does the election actually take place and how does it work? The way it works is this. First off, the election will probably take place late summer, early fall, depending on when the dates fall. And in the election, it's basically very simple. And it's very interesting because, as you know, California has what we call a jungle primary, a top two tier vote system. That's out the window in this special election. So what happens is the ballot will be simple. Do you want to remove Gavin Newsom as governor? Yes or no? I'm voting yes, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> I, was on, I, was on the, I was on the edge of my seat on that one, Mike. I'm just making sure. Okay, <laughs> I want to be really clear to your audience. <laughs> and then um, you will pick the t- – if we get a plurality, which means 50% plus one, then you will vote. If you vote yes or even if you vote no, quite honestly, you'll pick from another slate of candidates running. Once we get over 50% in the same ballot – the, the candidate which the top number of votes will become governor of California within about 12 to 15 days. Wow. It really does move fast once you get to that point. Uh, now, of course, I think most people will remember this from uh, the last time this happened with, with Gray Davis and Arnold Schwarzenegger wound up being uh, becoming the governor. This was like a, a pretty crazy thing. I mean, there was like dozens and dozens and dozens of candidates. Uh, lots of celebrities like jumped on board, even though uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger won. But I remember like Gary Coleman was running. There was like porn stars running. I mean, it can get a little a, a little wild at this point, but the people get a chance to have their voice. Um, what do candidates have to do to actually get on this ballot? Well, it's actually pretty easy. You have to have something like $4,000 and about 60 signatures. But Facetiousness aside, and Stu, I understand you're not running for this position, <laughs> but if you were $4,000 and about a 60 to 100 signatures would get you on the ballot. The real important serious point here is this, is that it opens up the conversation about all of California. All Californians have participated. Really, every county is represented with almost without uh, 
exception in gathering signatures. Two million people from every party, over 400,000 Democrats, 500,000 NPPs across all spectrums of religious diversity, etc. And that's what's going to take place during this three to four month period when the election is taking place. The press likes to portray it as, yes, we had some interesting folks running for governor last time, and I'm sure we will this time. But the reality is open up the California conversation so we in California can decide openly about the future of our state without it being manipulated by one party, either on the right or the left. That's why folks like me have been working so hard at RecallGavin2020.com for over a year and a half putting this together. And it's not that easy. This is only the fourth time in the history of the United States that a recall for a governor will get go to election status. So for those out there saying, eh, it's two million, it's not that big a deal, happens all the time. Yes, it happened once before in California in 2003, but this is a really uncommon uh, occurrence. It frankly happens very, very rarely in the United States that a public official of the stature of Gavin Newsom, and I use that words almost lightly when I say stature and Gavin Newsom in mm -hmm. the same sentence, but the reality is, Californians are fed up with the corruption, which is coming out now, how he's awarded contracts, fed up with the way he's handled COVID, the non-opening of our schools, and frankly, fed up with the way Gavin Newsom in general's attitude against the people of California. And we can't have politicians anymore um, taking this sense of arrogance and entitlement and rich people, which Gavin is, trying to run the state for average citizens like us. The average citizen is stepping up, and that's the exciting part about this four-month process. Average peace people will probably run for governor. But more importantly, at the top, you're going to have some really good candidates talking about the public debate as to what we can do to solve all the crises that California is facing and we also want to say we hope the nation's watching to show what people can do when volunteers get involved and step up without big money yeah you know and you brought up something really interesting there i think in that there is a uh, there's a perception i think of something like this that would say that okay there's a bunch of republicans in california who, who don't like gavin newsom and they got a bunch of signatures and now they're they're going to have this election you probably don't get above this 1.5 million number, or you'd be very close, without Democrats. Actual Democrats calling for Gavin Newsom to be removed. Certainly without independence, you'd have no chance at it. That's a pretty amazing accomplishment. Absolutely. And I also want to state why I'm here. We've done this with very little money. We still need money at the end to get all these processed and out there. So anybody don't, this is done with all small donations. The big money you've heard about in the press has gone to another pack, which is done. Certainly we're in part with, but not the core group of us at RecallGavin2020.com. We've done this with $10, $5, $100 at a time, and we put every dollar that we have into distribution and the advertising that we can afford, getting the word out. The key in the state of California is, as you mentioned, it's the people, the no party preference. It's not just the Democrats or the Republicans. It's the people in the middle who kind of had it with both sides looking around the street, and they're participating now in California. California politics too. And that's really what exciting. We could not get this done with the number of signatures that we have if, and this won't get done in an election unless everybody votes, everybody participates and everybody takes place in the discussion. And that's, by the way, 
If you want to see something really neat and politics is generally a grumpy sport, go to one of our rallies or one of the hundred and so probably more like a thousand booths that we have open every weekend and throughout the week. You see people smiling. A recall is considered to be grumpy. There are so many happy people, not just happy because we're recalling the governor of California, but they're having a chance to actually do something and get their voice heard by just signing this initiative. Um, that's 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 great news. I've seen um, some coverage of from the mainstream media where they've sort of said basically like, look, they'll probably get this recall election to happen. They probably will get enough signatures. But in the end, Gavin Newsom's not going to be defeated. He's not going to be uh, recalled. Do you, do you is it they, they'll cite some polls showing that, you know, he's he might be above 50 percent on that. Do you think that this is one of those things where Californians haven't really internalize that this is a serious thing. They can actually get rid of this guy. What do you chalk that up to or do you just not believe it at all? Well, let me start with a couple things. That's the same people in the mainstream media who said a, a ragtag group of volunteers with no political backing couldn't possibly get to two million signatures. Right, right. So excuse me if I take it with a grain of salt, the reality is this. OK, if you took, went back to the Gray Davis days, Gray Davis at the beginning of his first term had a 60 percent approval rating. Okay, was voted in office by a pretty good amount until scandals started to break mm -hmm. and it became apparent he wasn't the governor for California. I don't have time in this segment, but if you compare what happened to Gray Davis at the beginning of his second term, simply COVID has accelerated what's happening to Gavin Newsom now in his first term. It's history repeating itself. And so those who are out, those same naysayers, I would like to ask them where they were six months ago because their naysaying's wrong. And take a look really at the average person around California who's out of work, has homelessness on their street, fires burning in our hills every year. And I think if they ask the average person, they're getting involved. They're ready. I have signatures coming in to recallgavin2020.com now at the tune of 93,000 a week. And we're almost at the end of the run. Mm. All right. And it's uh yeah, no, yeah, it's, I mean, the momentum is certainly there. Uh, what can people do, Mike, if they want to get involved both in California and maybe around the country? We really could use some more donations. We've been operating on a shoestring. I've told you before we're doing this at 50 cents a signature, and the average was told by political pundits at four bucks. If you could contribute anything to help California politics from polluting around the country and help change California, really go to recallgavin2020.com and give us an online donation, and we would very much appreciate it to keep the fight going forward in California to take back our state and, frankly, help save the rest of the country. All right, Mike Netter from Recall Gavin 2020. Thanks so much for coming on the program, and good luck. We're going to be watching for this big total here in, in just a few weeks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Back in a second. Well, I hope you're enjoying our terrible governor segment here on the uh, program today. Uh, we got to go to Andrew Cuomo. More news is breaking on Andrew Cuomo. This happened just before our taping, and it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, the question being asked here is, who leaked Lindsey Boylan's personnel files in December? Boylan's lawyer points the finger at Andrew Cuomo. His office doesn't deny it. A source says the leak may well be part of the attorney general's probe. So remember, uh, Lindsey Boylan, of course, one of the, I think, the first accuser uh, when it came to uh, the sexual harassment stuff with Andrew Cuomo. 
And we just kind of got very strange details about her work environment and her, her, her record on the job, stuff that we weren't supposed to really know. Uh, they believe Andrew Cuomo uh, leaked this, and that is the road they're going down now. Again, there's so many different variations of this. You got the nursing home thing, you got the sexual harassment thing. In a way, this is a separate thing. It's another gov- government corruption thing. And if if he's found on this, I mean, this is criminal. This is, you can't do this. This is criminal stuff. So we'll get into that more as we come. Uh, also, should tell you that a sixth sexual harassment accuser has come forward. Um, we don't have a name or anything yet, but uh, apparently this has uh, been going on for. A while the uh, the Cuomo administration found out about that uh, this whole thing this weekend, and you got to believe this is circulating through uh, the state house, and maybe is the reason why we got a bunch of politicians stepping up and saying, "Okay, look, this is enough. You need to resign." Uh, this is the sixth accuser. Uh, a sixth woman has come forward and leveled allegations of sexual harassment or inappropriate uh, behavior against uh, Andrew Cuomo. And over the weekend, a supervisor in the executive chamber became aware the woman had alleged the governor inappropriately touched her late last year, like 2020, uh, during an encounter at the governor's mansion where she had been summoned to do work. You know, so many people made fun of that good old Mike Pence standard. And it it does sound pretty good. Uh, Now, I will say this one is very light on details at this point. Um, I believe it was the Times Union that reported this, but we don't have much more than that. Just inappropriate touching uh, and at his mansion, which uh, is a whole nother level of this as we go. And people are bailing on Andrew Cuomo all over the place at this point. I mean, Just do you ever stop? Do you ever in between shows? Do you sit back and you say, you know, I remember when we were working on this and and talking about this and and listening to Stu run his mouth about Andrew Cuomo in like April when everyone was praising him and everyone was saying he was the most wonderful guy. And here we are a year later, thanks to your help and sharing all of this information and people like Janice Dean and others who have really taken this on. He may be held. It's possible he may be held accountable. I know we can't have nice things here. I understand that. And so I completely believe that, of course, he's going to just survive this somehow as he normally would. But there is a part of me, a tiny part, that thinks maybe, just maybe, this will lead to something. Because he really should be out of there so he can't threaten New Yorkers any more than he already has. Uh, His publisher, who, uh, where's the stupid thing? Let's see. Who published this. This should be a criminal investigation. The fact that this book got published should be a criminal investigation because not only is it was he lying throughout and he did a terrible job throughout this entire process. The book also sucks. I, believe me, this book is a piece of trash. And it, it's why I always just dump it behind here and then I have to go pick it up every single time because I, I refuse to put it in a bookshelf. I can't do it. Anyway, uh, the publisher of his book is now sort of agreeing with me. Um, he is, uh, they are now saying they are going to withhold um, the po- promotion of the book. Uh, sales of the book American Crisis Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic have already slowed severely as the governor found himself embroiled in overlapping crises of his own making, including a drumbeat of accusations about his inappropriate behavior towards younger women and his AIDS manipulation of nursing home data. They are going to stop promoting the title. Um, and they also uh, are going to go a little bit further. Jillian Blake of Crown Publishing said in a response to an email to The New York Times, who is on this case now, guys, like, I don't know what the New York Times was doing in March and April and May and June and July and August and all that time. Nothing much except praising this guy. But 
I don't know what's, tur- what's changed here, but the Times is all over this now. Every day there's a new big Times investigation on something Andrew Cuomo has done. And we welcome the help. Thank you, New York Times. Thank you. Um, Jillian Blake of Crown said in a response to the email to the Times, there were no plans to reprint Mr. Cuomo's book or reissue it in paperback, citing the ongoing investigation into the reporting of COVID fatalities in nursing homes. Uh, kind of an interesting thing here in the book. He blatantly lies about what was was going on um, in June. Uh, the aides were battling their own health department uh, crisis. And they had publicly said about 6,500 had died in nursing homes. The number was at least 9,000 at that time. One of his aides, as you may have learned on this program or somewhere uh, else, Melissa DeRosa, learned that her health department intended to include the higher number of deaths, the accurate number of deaths. So they rewrote the report. This is known now uh, to take it out. Um, four days after the report's publication, Mr. Cuomo said publicly for the first time he wanted to write a book about the process. The book was not formally am- announced till the, la- the next month. Cuomo, um, in the book about this time period, is saying, uh, talked about how uh, the Republicans were saying, oh, gosh, I think you've killed too many people in nursing homes. And he said the uh, facts totally defeated the Republican claim. New York was number 46 out of 50 in the nation when it came to percentage of deaths in nursing homes. The governor wrote in a freaking book. He wrote it mentioning a July report that suggested the virus came into nursing homes as the workforce got infected. New York's actual position in the ranking of states would have been much worse if the true toll, about 50 percent higher than he had revealed, had been included in the analysis. And I was thinking to myself, you know, they do say that. Who, who, why would you buy a book like this ever? But certainly now, when you know he's lying about all this stuff and he's been accused of sexual harassment by approximately 43 percent of the females in the entire state, why would you be buying this book? And I, but of course, you know, people are going to buy the book. He's in the news all the time. So I, I scroll down in this story and I find this jaw-dropping statistic. I see that he has only sold 400 copies in a week, an entire week nationwide, only 400 copies of this book. Now, we know it sold well at the beginning, but you think it would still be kind of, if it was a bestseller, it'd still be churning, selling some books, only 400 books in a week. And then... I reread the sentence and realized I got that wrong. The sentence actually reads between January 23rd and February 27th, the title sold only about 400 copies. It wasn't a week. It was more than a month. He sold 400 books in a month. I don't even have a book out and I think I've sold 400 books in a month. Unbelievable. Andrew Cuomo is awful and failing and catastrophically dragging New York down with it. Uh, I don't know. Will will he be thrown out of office? I hope so. Uh, But until then, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. Here's a crazy thing. The world doesn't always agree with you. doesn't always go your way. Sometimes things go wrong. We had a, a, a relatively catastrophic flood happen in our house in the big freeze here in Texas recently. Um, we have uh, kids who are young and think jumping off things is fun. And every time they go outside, I assume they're going to come in with a giant gash across their forehead or their arm and blood spurting. It's a terrible horror movie. If you've ever had children, that's what you're fearful for all the time. 
Now, if something like that does happen, especially there's, there are arteries in your body that if they get severed the wrong way, you're talking about 30 seconds. That's all you got, about 30 seconds to patch that thing up. You need to have a serious uh, first aid kit. And I will tell you, that's what I have with my bare first aid kit from Refuge Medical. These guys at Refuge Medical are awesome. They supply the military. They supply police forces. Uh, they, the 14 countries are using uh, these, these medical kits. Um, but they're for you, too. And you need to make sure that you have something that's high quality. Throwing a couple of Band-Aids on a wound like that is not going to help things. RefugeMedical.com. You'll get 15% off all of their first aid kits if you use the fabulous promo code Stu, be sure to use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And the cool thing about these guys, they also like the show a lot. Uh, they've been around for a long time. They've been fans of the Blaze for a long time. These are good people, and they put out an incredibly good product. And I think you should try to give them a shot here because if you are not prepared for the thing that you need that that happens in your life, man, I, you're going to hate yourself for it. RefugeMedical.com. RefugeMedical.com. The promo code is Stu. Be prepared for anything. RefugeMedical.com. Promo code Stu. So I want to thank you both, and I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Oh. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for sure. all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about and for recommending what, what did you, these two women for promotion. Two women. Which, thank you all. Which may two? God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Holy crap, man. Uh, it is. It's a difficult thing to watch. Uh, this guy is I mean, he's not in control. He doesn't know anybody's name. He doesn't know what he's just talked about. He doesn't seem to ever know anything. And I, I think it's almost less disturbing that he couldn't figure out the guy's name or what he was talking about than the weird tone he gets in in these moments. He's just like, I don't, I said, and, and he just sort of talks like this. And, and I feel like he's got no breath. Like, it's like he can't take a deep breath. He can't project his voice at all. But then again, what do you need to communicate with the American people for if you're president of the United States? That's not part of the job. By the way, senility now. Uh, the T-shirts, the mugs, the gear is available at stewdoesmerch.com. The fancy symbol you see uh, behind me here, uh, it's a fun one. Senility now available at stewdoesmerch.com as well as uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Mm -hmm. They are there for a limited time, selling very fast. And the Nancy Pelosi sucks mugs, now one of the best-selling items on the website, I, I feel if you're in Congress right now, if like you're a congressional aide, you listen to this show, maybe you're a congressman. I know we have uh, people in, in, uh, in the House and the Senate that listen to this show. If that's you and, and you want us to hook you up with like maybe a Nancy Pelosi sucks mug or Nancy Pelosi sucks pen that you can just kind of leave around somewhere like in the halls of Congress. You know, because so, people will just take the mug and they'll, uh, they won't even look at it, especially this one. It just it says Nancy Pelosi sucks like 100 times on it. But you can't unless you really look, you're not going to notice. And maybe. And you kind of just put it down wherever people drink coffee. Someone will take it. They'll wash it. It'll go back in the cabinet. Someone else will pick it up. Maybe Nancy herself will just be walking down the hallway, taking a sip of a Nancy Pelosi sucks mug. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. I would do it myself, except there's a giant fence around the Capitol, and I can't get within a thousand miles of it at this point. But I do appreciate it. If you're in Congress, let us know. Contact us. We need to do that. By the way, uh, Biden's German shepherd, uh, I guess it's still, uh, they, haven't, they haven't put it to sleep. Uh, which, you know, I guess would normally happen in a big biting incident. But someone got bit uh, at the uh, White House. They had to get rid of the two German shepherds. Um, there was a uh, it was a sad scene with a doggy bed kind of leaned up against the White House. 
You hate to see it. You hate to see it. But uh, that's going on. There's 3,200 migrant children stuck in Border Patrol custody. Um, half, past, uh, half of them have been held past the legal limit. You know, I think the truth about this story, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, is that when you have a border where thousands of people may rush it at any time, it's really hard to deal with unless you take the border security seriously. If you are incentivizing people to come across the border, man, it's tough to deal with, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I think we've seen that with every president that has been here since I've been alive. Everybody has this problem at some point. It's not an easy issue to deal with unless you take it seriously. And there's no there's no signal to believe that it's going to be taken seriously uh, in any way. Also, I want to tell you about, uh, in case you missed it, Dak Prescott. Uh, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys has agreed to a four-year, $160 million contract. Now, as you know, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. A lot of people think, uh, well, you don't, you're not going to like Dak Prescott. You're going to be pissed that he signed this contract. Not at all. In fact, I encourage, uh, I've been on record for a long time saying that Dak Prescott should be paid $100 million a year, and all of it should be guaranteed. Uh, so this is, I think he's getting underpaid. And in fact, I think they should give him more money. Okay. now, if you think that's a little bit too much, you got to go back and look at what really happened last year. He finished second on the team in winning percentage as a quarterback. So only one other quarterback on the entire Dallas Cowboys in 2020 had more wins and a better winning percentage than he did. I mean, it was a wide gap. It was a wide gap. I'll grant granted. I will give you that. But he was second. And that's pretty good. And also, I will say this, you know. These statistics can get very confusing sometimes where people are like throwing around all these numbers and you're trying to figure things out. And they did a really good job here with the Dak Prescott deal because they gave him 40 million dollars a year. But you might think to yourself, well, 40 million dollars. How much is that per per win? The good news here is he only had one win. So it's 40 million divided by one. So you'll always know exactly how much he's getting paid per win because he only won one game. See, these types of things people overlook when they look at the big contract like this. But I, I, for one, congratulate the Dallas Cowboys for dumping $160 million into Dak Prescott. Back in a second. They are banning Dr. Seuss books. How much more do you need to see before all of America wakes up and goes, this is fascism. Oh, I don't know. Uh, a lot more? Because the books weren't banned. Dr. Seuss Enterprises decided to stop printing six of them. And a company deciding which of its own books it will or won't print is an example of free enterprise, not fascism. It doesn't make as much sense to argue they're banning unicycles. How much more do you need to see before America wakes up and says this is transcendentalism? Well, the first thing isn't even true, and I've got no idea how you got from there to the second part. It's a, it's a good line uh, there at the end. Uh, so, of course, Glenn wasn't talking about uh, the books not being printed by Dr. Seuss's company. He was talking there, of course, about when eBay had banned them. A totally different, though related story. Uh, not that anyone over there would care. Uh, just an amazing, uh, it's like you think you'd have enough material to not take people completely out of context. Apparently not the truth, um, but he did it with a British accent. So people really like it and thought it was great and shared it all around the Internet. Though, of course, it was not accurate. I love this this thing that keeps happening with these cancel culture stories. Our point is they keep canceling these ridiculous things. They keep going after these ridiculously innocuous things that are not as harmful as they're saying they are. And then to make fun of the right, 
they, the left says, I can't believe that you're so concerned with these ridiculous, innocuous things. Well, that's the point. I think they know. I think they know the whole time that it's a terrible point, but they just keep saying it anyway. All right, we will see you tomorrow. I love you. Good night.